The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure to subscribe to our page so you don't miss a pick at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And we're also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG betting that's legal in 40 states. Sign up at betteredge.com, promo code SGP, for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com, promo code SGP. Welcome back, or welcome for the first time, my degenerate brothers and sisters. Welcome once again to the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 14. So take that, all those haters who claim we wouldn't make it past episode 13, in your face. Um, I am once again Jeff Fox, as I have been since I was born, and I am your host of the show once again. I um, and one of the site editors at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. I also cover UFC for them, uh, NBA, whatever they need me to throw my uh, my immense talents into, I do. Um, I also run MMA-Manifesto.com. Yeah, I've done that for about a decade. Um, specialize in fighter payout info. So if you are interested in how much other people make, which seems a lot of people seem to be interested in, then definitely check that out. We also have lots of... Um, Lots of uh, previews on upcoming fights, reviews of fights that happen, fighter rankings, all that stuff. Not just for UFC, we were dipping our toes more into 1FC and uh, all, all the other leagues that are still up and running. And one of my helpers over there, my right-hand man, you could say, uh, is my also my co-host on the podcast here. Um, he's the guy who makes me look smart because he's really dumb at making picks. So it makes me look very smart. And you ask my bad jokes. So perfect sidekick. Well, who could ask for more? Um, he also hosts two podcasts of his own, uh, the prelim picker, which is basically what it sounds like. He, he and a guest, uh, basically break down the, uh, and pick, uh, the winners of every prelim fight on a UFC card, which can be very helpful because those cards don't, uh, the prelim portions don't tend to get a whole lot of attention from a lot of uh, at least casual gamblers, so you can probably find some some lines that are advantageous for you there. And they're actually something he is fairly good at picking his prelims. Once the main card rolls around, it, the, the wheels fall off his, his wagon. But other than that, prelims, he's usually pretty good, at least for a couple of fights. Uh, he also hosts the Top Turtle MMA podcast, which is which he also gives out bad picks on. Um, they claim they're good. They claim they're good picks, but I haven't really. I'm, I'm assuming they're as bad as, as they are on this show because I, I haven't really uh, haven't really tracked it though. Uh, he also does a lot of fighter interviews on that. Um, and without further ado, uh, that would be Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Hello, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. <laughs> Thank you for for at least the the nice notes on the prelims. And I will say. When I'm on Top Turtle, I, I do – my picks wind up a little better because we don't put $100 on every single fight as we encourage everybody here to do. Yeah, they're lightweights on that podcast. The hardcore <laughs> hardcores are here – come here for the $100 on uh, what 
12 to 14 fights uh, per per fight card, definitely. I also, I forgot, I was going to compliment uh, Dan this week. Uh, for the first time since we started the show, he went perfect in a week. He didn't get any picks wrong last week. So great job. <laughs> perfect O for O week. N- none wrong, none right. Perfect week for Dan. And it's it's an accomplishment I can't believe because I imagined I would have thrown out something dumb on a card that, uh, you know, maybe I would have bet on James Vick, who was fighting uh, right. at, at this time last night, uh, who and he got knocked out again, which uh, I yeah. probably should have seen coming. But I was like, yeah, James Vick will probably beat this guy. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Very good. So, so he's even good at the minor league uh, MMA picks. He's just as good at that as he is at, <laughs> at UFC picks, which is good to know. Um yeah, we've been discussing how we are going to start making money on <laughs> on this, uh, considering we're picking every fight and every card, which probably, even though, you know, we tell you, you should be doing that, um, you know, uh, in brackets, we're really telling you it's probably not the best, uh, best plan if you want to make money. If you are going to pick every fight like we do, I think the only way you're really going to come out ahead is if you start hitting on a good number of underdogs, which we haven't been doing recently. And there have, have been quite a few underdogs winning in the early going to 2021. I believe off air, Dan, you said that if we picked dogs, we'd be up at this point. If we picked only dogs on every fight card. Yeah, if we picked only dogs on every single fight card, I'm pretty sure we would be up. And in addition to that, if we picked only dogs on main cards, we'd be up like almost like 50% of your bankroll, I'm pretty certain, um, which is incredible because like, it's just one of those like wild things where we, we, we talked about having tracked how many underdogs win on average. And if you look, it's like three or four per card on average. Cause it's, it's about a third, which if you're looking at a, a 10 to 14 fight card, depending on, I mean, in COVID era, there were some eight fight cards as well. But uh, you know, if you're talking about 10 to 14 fights, like that's, that that's where you fall, right? Like three or four. And and there's been ones with three or four on the main card and and almost all of them have been three or four on the main card. So yeah, it's been a wild year. And like I said, you could have just, we could have just picked all dogs week, week after week after week. But I imagine this bubble is about to burst. And like you said, it's going to be even more important that if you're going to try this method, which again, as we said in brackets, you probably don't actually want to do. But if, if you were to try this method, that's where the money needs to be won, right? Like you have to locate those dogs and they're not going to keep hitting at a, you know, right now it's, I think it's 59% on the main card, 59% rate. Right. Um, yeah. Since I started tracking fights, so we're talking hundreds and hundreds of fights since 2020, I went back to 2020 and I started tracking um, among, among a bunch of other things, uh, how often underdogs win uh, right now it's sitting at 68% uh, when I, wrote the actual article sorry 68 percent for for um for the favorites the chalkies to win um when i wrote this article back in october it was 67 percent. so basically it's uh um we may have a little blip like this past few events where underdogs seem to be winning more often than not but but overall since october it's it's uh increased even more that that the the favorites are winning has gone up a whole percent which is fairly significant considering this is a large sample size of, of fights it takes it takes a bunch to actually get it, get that percentage to move up. So so it's at sixty eight percent. I figure before we break down this week's upcoming card, maybe we can pinpoint how 
other than picking every underdog and every card, which eventually, eventually it's going to bite you because you're not going to, I, I remember I did um, track a bit last year. What if I was just picking underdogs and you know, you end up losing your shirt. It's not uh not the, the best, uh, best method to, to make money. They'll figure some plans um, or have some tips on how, how best to pinpoint who, would be a live dog on an upcoming card. So um, dovetails nicely into an article actually published this week on Sports Gambling Podcast um, called How to Pick a UFC Underdog. What a catchy title. And I have a picture, picture of a couple of the biggest underdogs we've seen, um, Matt Serra and Holly Holm, who both who beat GSP and uh, Ronda Rousey, respectively, which won people on the right side of those lines a lot of money. Um, now, I went through a few reasons uh, or a few um, things to keep in mind when, when you're picking an underdog. I thought I'd run by them quickly uh, with Dan because he surely didn't read this because there's no way he reads my stuff. If you read my stuff, you'll be much better at picking fights. So um, first thing I put is uh, styles make fights, um, which is you know a, a common refrain you hear a lot. But it's uh, I think it can go a long way when you're looking at a live dog is is checking out what type of what type of matchup they have happening on uh, on an upcoming fight. Um, the best fighter does not always win. The best fighter on paper, quote unquote, best fighter does not always win the fight. Often you could say often uh, he or she doesn't win the fight because it all comes down to styles and and how fighters match up with one another. So. Uh, styles could, could take a many different forms. It could be a strong wrestler uh, fighting someone who's horrible at take horrible at stuffing takedowns. Um, we thought we had one of those pinned uh, Sir McMahon and uh, Juliana Pena the other week, but that that didn't play out. But uh, that, that's an example of one. Or you could have a guy like coming up, for instance. This isn't necessarily an underdog, but I think the line is fairly closer than it should be uh, Uriah Hall versus Chris Wyman, which has been pushed back a bit because Wyman got COVID, but Wyman's can't take a punch anymore. And Hall is a insane striker. So if you come up uh, to a matchup like that, then you're going to want to bet on the, the, the guy who, uh, who is an insane striker. If, if the numbers, if the number is uh, favorable. Um, but so basically with, with underdogs, as I'm saying is if you, if you see a style matchup that works and the underdog has the style that you think's going to um, befuddle his opponent, even if he or she is a quote unquote worse fighter than I say, that is a dog worth, uh, worth packing. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. And I, I would say too, one of the things that's really important when deciding those types of things, a lot of times we like blindly put people into these categories, right? Like really good submission grappler, right? And then the other guy's bad at submissions and we're like, whoop, that checks that box. We also have to remember too, when we do that too, two things, first of all, path to that victory, right? Because you can be great at submissions and have no ability to get the fight to the ground, um, which obviously would, would be a huge deterrent there. And in addition to that, the other thing we should think about is intent, because I think sometimes we think like, oh, this guy has got a clear ability to win the fight if he takes it to the ground. We, we thought of that about Vinicius Morea the other day against Ike Villanueva. Both of us had Vinicius Morea winning that by sub because like Villanueva's got like 10 submission losses and, and Vinicius Morea is a black belt in jujitsu and he's right. you know good on the ground, but he had no intention of taking it there. He didn't once yeah. shoot a takedown. He didn't once look like he wanted to take down. So thinking about how fighters approach fights too is really important, whether or not those skills seem to match up. Um, but I, I definitely think you're right. Styles 
being the, the one of the best paths to finding an underdog. But always remember, it's really dangerous to just stick somebody blindly in one of those boxes um, and pick based right. on uh, on the box that it, they sort of fit for you. Right. You can also, um, if you if you read and listen to enough fighter interviews heading into a fight, a lot of times you can. Um, they'll uh they'll show you their hand they'll, they'll show you what type of fight they, they plan on uh, what type of approach they plan on having to a fight which can also let you know their mindset and like dan said their intent on whether they plan on uh making in a ground fight a, a standing fight that type of thing he, you have a lot of times ego uh get in the way of of a good game plan and fighters do not fight the way they should be fighting or they're not taking advantage of of um, the style matchup that they have on a fight yeah um, and that, that's not always like i mean that definitely works sometimes too right because they they do they talk about what, the, what they want i actually have an interview coming up this week if a little, little shameless plug here if you're watching listening to top turtle mma with carlos diego fajeda who we'll be talking about later and and he he's all about a striking matchup here with benil dariush which is pretty interesting because they're both jujitsu black belt so um you know and Dariush has been knocking people out lately. So, you know, sort of thinking about how that plays out, you're definitely right. Interviews help, but also remember sometimes those guys try to deep their opponent with interviews because, because their opponents listen to the interviews too. But yeah, I definitely think more like more often than not, those interviews are pretty truthful. Right. Um, and this, uh, second thing that, um, goes basically hand in hand with styles make fights is if you are in doubt, um, go with the striker, um, stats, um, stats bear that out. 70% of fighters with superior striking stats heading into fight night, um, win the fight. Uh, that's a pretty huge number. It's gone down a bit. I think it was 72% when I did it back in October, but it's still fairly significant. Um, Every fight starts on the feet, at least for a little bit. Every round starts on the feet, at least for a little bit. So strikers automatically have have an advantage there, and the actual stats tend to tend to bear that out. Is if, uh, if in doubt, um, and you see an underdog is a, is a superior striker to to the person favored, especially if the person favored uh, has has been knocked out before. Then I say always always back the striker. Yeah, and and I think that that last tiny little snippet you put in there too about previous knockouts it's something we've all been harping on on here for a while is that like that concept of you know your chin's not perfect after it's been touched once or twice uh, i i think that that plays in really well so um yeah keeping that in in mind as well and and yeah it's it's crazy too because i think for a, the longest time we thought you know wrestlers just kind of dominate the sport and, and we're definitely seeing an influx in the last couple of years of kickboxers who've come in knowing how to keep distance and, and doing damage that way. So I, I think probably it's an, a little bit of an evolution of the game thing, but also a, a change in who's turning over, right? Like it used to just be college wrestlers who, who flipped over to, to MMA and now it's starting to be kickboxers who are finding less and less opportunities to make big money in kickboxing. Yep. That's yeah. That's a very good point there for sure. And going back to the, to the chin thing, it seems the last person to realize that their chin is shot is, is the fighter. Um, and yeah. guys, guys, like guys like Chris Wyvin still think they, they have a title run in them when, when they can't take a punch anymore. So that's, that's an, which basically the reason why that's a big thing. If, if you're betting is, uh, these, these fighters more often than that, 99% of the time don't change their style and they're still in their guns ablaze and then, 
having their chin exposed. A few people do change their styles. Like um, Andre Arlovsky should have been out of the sport like de- decades ago, if he hadn't changed his, <laughs> hadn't changed his style, but he has um, a guy we're going to be talking about very shortly. Alistair Overeem has changed his style. He was the guy who was always chinny, like basically right from the get go, but he doesn't get knocked out anymore. Um, more often than not, he doesn't get knocked out anymore. So but there are, uh, you know, uh, exceptions to the rule, but more often than not, uh, guys don't realize that they're, they're shot until they've been knocked out and knocked out and knocked out, knocked out, knocked out. And you can make money off that. So um, <laughs> and another thing that played out this past, uh, not this past weekend, but a couple weeks ago with the uh, McGregor Poirier fight, something we didn't take advantage of is, uh, is the name game fighters with names, big names, uh, bold names like Connor McGregor, that casual fans are interested in watching. There's not too many fighters like these left, like this left anymore in the sport, but there are a few fighters that have that, crossed over uh, you could say into the mainstream where casual fans know who they are and when it gets close to fight time casual fans throw money down on on the name that they are most familiar with so it wasn't surprising when we saw the opening line for uh, mcgregor poirier mcgregor was minus 175 and then it wasn't surprising when it closed at minus 340 so it basically doubled uh nothing happened between that time um poirier didn't get injured mcgregor didn't get some super power because he got bit by a radioactive spider or something like that um or green slime uh went on him um nothing changed basically uh the only thing that changes casual fans uh who know mcgregor whether they're fans of mcgregor or not they know the name and and they see the highlights of him knocking people out and they hear him talking they threw the money down on him and the, the line swung even more into mcgregor's favor and then people who are on the Poye side made themselves lots of money. So um, the tip I have is if there's a big name type matchup go, coming up and you like the the B side uh, to, to the fight, so, so not the marquee name, the other guy, then I say hang uh, hang out until right before fight time and you, you should be able to hammer the, uh, the B side name at a very advantageous rate. Yeah, I agree with that. And I will even say to a lesser extent, while you're right, there's not a lot of names out there like Conor McGregor. There are a lot of names out there, even in smaller fights. And and there's one in particular that I'm going to talk about later on this fight card when we get to actually breaking it down, where it it doesn't necessarily matter that one guy isn't, you know, neither of the guys are Conor McGregor, right? But like, one of the guys is far more known to people who bet on MMA regularly. And and that just goes across the board, right? Like it, it doesn't have to be the casuals hammering it. It can just be the MMA fan who didn't do enough research or didn't do enough background too. So sometimes, you know, thinking about who's the, the B side and the fact that they probably haven't gotten the publicity they deserve. Um, you know, if you could think about, you know, for an example, if, if we're not going to give away later on in the show, what we're going to talk about, talk, think about your, Think about Yuri Prohashka when he came to the UFC, right? Like he, he came in as the B side of that matchup with Volkan Ozdemir, it, having fought people like King Mo, CB Dalloway. Like, was was he rightfully the B side? Well, maybe not, but like also like probably not when you consider the fact that his strength of schedule was probably just as strong as Volkan Ozdemir's, you know. But the fact that he's fighting in Japan at 2 a.m. or something like that makes it so that the even the the most you know avid MMA fan was probably missing highlights on Yuri Prohashka. Right. Right. And um Dan was mentioning about um even people who are big MMA fans um tend to bet without doing the research that you want to do um if you want to win money on these fights. Um and that goes into my last um 
Last tip would be always check resumes on guys, um, especially guys or gals who are new to the organization, either whether make, they're making their, their debut or they've only been around for a fight or two. Um, I say always go to Tapology, um, call up the fighters page, see where they fought before. Did Was it a big promotion like Bellator or one of the Japanese ones? Was it one of the well-regarded, well-known feeder organizations like uh, LFA or Gage Warriors? That's a big thing. Check out where guys, guys or, or girls have fought before and check out who they've fought. Um, the good thing about Tapology is it shows you the record of every opponent that a fighter has faced. So you can see whether uh, a person's been padding the record with on cans, uh, fighters with no experience at all, fighters with losing records. Um, if they've lost some fights, what type of fighter have they lost to? Have they lost to an experienced person or, or another, another uh, newbie, that type of thing. So always, you know, uh, especially I say with, with newer fighters, if you're not like Dan and you haven't watched every single fighter who's ever existed, then, then it's definitely worth going on Tapology and checking out resumes of, of, of people that, that you plan on, on betting on. And you, you can, often you can find yourself a nice underdog that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I would also say, too, don't be afraid to – and again, uh, we're going to tease our breakdowns later. But don't be afraid to just, just try to YouTube a highlight clip of somebody and, and maybe not even the highlights. But if you can find like even just five minutes of footage of them within the last couple years – fighting just so you can see their style if they're a newcomer to the ufc and maybe they're from you know kazakhstan or you know they're, they're from france and you haven't seen them even fighting on something like lfa or, or one of the local or more local promotions that maybe you can find on fight pass or something else just youtube it a lot of times a lot of yep. these promotions have you know one fight from that fighter at some point in time that you can see and you can you can get a good read on what they're doing Right. Any other uh, any other tips for picking underdogs that you can think of off the top of your head, Dan? Before um, I, we move on, I think the most important thing when you're picking an underdog, and, and this is again kind of hard for this show when when we're talking about when we're making picks, because um, we can't exactly lead you through this is remember that the line is going to move and think about why it will move. Um, and, and don't buy it the minute you see it, because a lot of times when you buy it the minute you see it, you're, you're not taking into account that money is going to come in on the opposite side of that. Um, so like, you, you know, think out, you know, reasonable expectations of how things move. If you use a, uh, um, bestfightodds.com, which is a, I, I also think is a really great resource. If you click on their lines, it tells you whether or not they've gone up or down in the, since they've been posted. That's a great way to tell whether or not you should pull the trigger now because those lines are going down or you should wait a little while because the lines are going up and they might go further up. And once again, I, I've got a couple here from this fight card that, that are trending one direction or the other. And we'll talk about that when we pick some of these underdogs later on. Um, but yeah, th I think that that is also a, a really good tip. Don't, don't pull the trigger just because you, you heard about a fighter or you're excited about a fighter right then, you know, shop around, check out the lines and, and wait a little bit on them. Yep. Very, very good point. Um, now we've been teasing about, getting into the picking the fights for the upcoming fight card, which isn't really that stacked of a fight card, but, but we'll still make money on it. Um, but before we jump into that, let me tell you about a place where you can actually get some fight tips for me, uh, later on this, this coming week, that would be better than dot Vegas. Uh, better than dot Vegas is like YouTube, but it's for what hashtag the gens only care about, which would be sports betting. 
The best part is you can get free video picks from all of the crew over at Sports Gambling Podcast Network, including myself. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to our channel there, which will be sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV, and you won't miss any of the videos. And if you're subscribed, you get a notification right away as soon as we post something so you can jump on whatever bet we tell you to make. Um, I should have a couple of, uh, if Dan and I agree on a couple of picks uh, that we're going to go through for this week, I will have those up. Uh, later on this week on that site. So make sure you subscribe. That's betterthan.vegas.com. Um, and our page would be sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. All right. Uh, so the event that we've been tiptoeing around, like I said, it's not super stacked by any means, but it's fights and we haven't had fights for a, a week. We had a week off. Um, it would be UFC fight night, Overeem versus Volkov, uh, February 6th, Saturday, going down at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, let me check the start time on that. Um, I think it's a, it's not going to be one of those wonky morning ones because they're off of the off of the fight island and back to um, back to Vegas. Um, main card, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Prelims would be 5 p.m. Eastern, and it's airing on both both parts on ESPN Plus in the States. Um, so obviously we have Wolverine Volkov at the top of the card, but we always start at the bottom and work our way up. Um, and this is the part you should pay attention to because we're, we tend to do good at these picks um, <laughs> early on, and then, then things tend to tend to hit, hit the ditch after that. So we will start with this card is a little up in the air uh, still as they have been during during the pandemic we've had fighters fall out we've had fights fall out we've had catch weight fights added it's it's kind of up in the air i think at this point we have 13 confirmed fights um with a couple fights up up like i said up in the air still because because people have, have backed out so let's start with a catch weight one this would be 130 pounds uh debuting dennis bondar versus odie osborne um bondar like I said, he's making his debut. Um, I believe he's tw- he has 12 wins, four KOs, eight submissions. So he is a finisher. I believe he's got one, one loss uh, in his career. So he um, he has, uh, I believe he's, he's 12 and one. So he's had a quite a su- successful career up to this point. And his nickname, no, he's 14 and two. I'm sorry. I uh, got his stats wrong here. So he's got uh, four knockouts, eight submissions. Or I think the sites may have different records from some of these guys. But we'll go with topology. They say he's 14 and two. Um, and like I said, he will be making his debut. Uh, hasn't fought in any really big um, promotions up to this point. And speaking of padded records, I was going through his record and he hasn't really fought anyone of, of note or anyone with, uh, with too much experience. Like a lot of his, his fights were, he's fought what four straight guys who were making their debuts. And then the next guy he fought was Owen one. Um, He's fought a guy 0-2 recently, uh, fought a guy 2-1-1. So he hasn't fought the highest level of competition. Um, he is coming in, and I believe he used to fight at flyweight also. I, he's he's fought at bantamweight, uh, but this fight will be in between the two, flyweight and bantamweight. Um, like I said, his debut, but he is a favorite right now. He's minus 175. Maybe Dan knows more, obviously more about him than I do. Just looking at his resume, I haven't watched any of his fights. I do know his nickname, Psycho, so that's something to uh, something to, to take in uh, take in mind when you're betting on a fight. Obviously, nicknames uh, play a huge part. Um, 
That's for Ode Osborne. Uh, I do know him. I have seen him fight a few times. Uh, he's got eight pro wins, three knockouts, four submissions. So both these guys are, are finishers. Uh, he dropped his USA de- debut after winning his way in on Dana White's Contender Series. Um, he'll be an inch taller than Bondar. I don't know the reach because uh, I don't think Bondar's reach has been uh, been released anywhere officially. Um, both the same age. Uh, Osborne's a plus 150 dog. I'm thinking I'm going with the dog in this one. Uh, Osborne, unless you have really good intel on Bondar that his padded record doesn't doesn't tell me. No, I, I actually have the opposite. I actually think that his padded record is even more padded than, than it looks. Because if, if you look back at, uh, once again, I, I think that there's this is one of those fights where I think if you just Googled and, and looked or YouTubed and looked for uh, a little bit of highlights, there's some highlights out there on uh, Bondar. And I, I think one of the things we think of when we see one of those Eastern European names, you know, a guy from Ukraine or a guy from Kazakhstan or a guy from Russia is we're like, Oh, he's got to be a power wrestler. And don't get me wrong. He's got some wrestling, but he's, he's a shorter guy. He's a guy who doesn't have a ton of reach. And and I don't love his takedown entries. They worry me a little bit. He, He looks a little bit sloppy when he does. And, you know, we're talking about a guy who's got a lot of finishes on the ground, right? Like, we, you can see some ground and pound finishes, arm triangle finishes. You see a rear naked choke and an arm bar. And, like, all of that kind of stuff happens on the ground with him taking it there. And, and Ode Osborne is a guy who, first of all, is good at keeping distance. He, he's very good at keeping distance. And in addition to that, if you put him on his back, he's got great subs off of his back. So I think people are overrating a little bit of the fact that this guy's got a great record. He's got one of those names that's sort of scary. Um, and I would also add, I, I know you, you're reading somewhere, and, and maybe we just read in different places, that this is catchweight 130. I'm seeing catchweight 140 uh, where I'm looking, which is, to me, even worse news for Bondar. Because, like you said, he's a guy who fought at flyweight. We're talking about you know, being 15 pounds over that flyweight limit that he can make because he is a smaller guy. Versus a guy who's tall, lean, got great reach, and now isn't going to have to lose those last five pounds to get to Bantamweight. So I, I'm unsure necessarily that that you know one of the sites that we looked has got the right stuff and the other one's got the wrong stuff. But definitely, if this is 140, I'm all about Ode Osborne in this fight. Right. Are you picking him regardless of whether it's 130 or 140? I, you know, 130 would worry me a little bit. This guy is very long and lean already at 135. So I, I would probably have to look again, question whether or not he could make it down, you know, maybe look back at his record. You know, I didn't look real close if he's ever fought at flyweight, but I can't imagine a guy who looks like that could ever make flyweight or get close to it, you know, lose an extra five pounds from where he's been fighting. Uh, but yeah, at 140, I am not only sold on him, I love the underdog line on him. Yeah, I, I see him. He's 140 on topology. Wikipedia's got it at 130. Um, where did you see it? Do you, do you remember what site you saw? I think they, I saw topology 140. Okay. I thought I saw at UFC.com might have had 130, which might be why we're seeing uh, that on, on yeah. Wikipedia. But that site is less trustworthy than topology. <laughs> yes, that site is very, very, very poor. They They, they need some – definitely they need some work done on that site, that's for sure. Um, well, why is – okay um, – not to spend too much time on the curtain trigger here, but why do you think Bondor is such a, he's not just favorite, he's minus 175 is fairly large favorite for a debuting guy too. So I, I definitely think, like I said before, I think it has something to do with that Eastern European like bias yeah. that betters have now. Like we see a guy who's Eastern European and we're like, oh, he's got tons of subs. He's basically the new Habib. And like, I, I, you know, it, it, it's been wrong quite a few times. I mean, we're going to talk about Timor Valiev later on in this fight card. 
I think that's it. people thought the same thing about him when he debuted against Trevin Jones in like, we're like, oh, he's just going to take him down 45 times. And again, people forget that these fights start on the feet, first of all. And second of all, not everybody who's born in the Eastern Bloc can can take down a grizzly bear, right? Like that that's just not the case. You know, like there are levels to wrestling even within the places where we consider the wrestling to be the best. Uh, and in this case, I, I think Bondar is actually being overrated in his grappling game. You know, I could definitely be wrong, but I also think Ode Osborne, who's a long, talented striker, is also being underrated in his his subs off his back, even if it went there. Yeah, he, half his half his wins are via sub. So, and if you say Bonner is, is sloppy, then that's you know you could see him catching a guillotine or or any or a triangle once he's on his back. Anything. Yeah, and, and um, if you look too at his, you know, I highly suggest going back and watching his contender series fight against Ar- Armando Villarreal, um, yeah. which is a guy who is both shaped and with a game plan a lot like Bondar as well. So like it, he's he's like a stackier, likes to grapple him up and got subbed from Ode Osborne's back with an armor. So, you know, it, it almost gives you a path to victory there too. There you go. That's, that's our first, our first dog for you. Plus 150. And if you want to take him by sub, I'm sure you can get even better money. Well, you definitely will get even better money than that. Um, another fight. This one was just made short notice. It's a featherweight bout. Sungwoo Choi versus Yusef Salal. Um, Zalal is taking this one on, on late notice, which normally is an issue. I'm not sure if, if we're going to agree it's going to be an issue here. Late replacements only have won 39% of the time thus far, but I'm going to tip my hand and, and say that I think it's, this is going to be one of the exceptions here. Um, we'll break down Troy first. He is making uh, his re-entry or his re-debut to the UFC. He, he's been out since December 2019, as a lot of... Uh, a lot of overseas fighters have due, due to the uh, that pandemic thing, which is uh, still raging on. Um, he's got eight pro wins, five via knockout. He is one and two in the UFC, lost his last fight. Uh, he will be the bigger man here, two inches of height, two inches of reach. He also has the bigger line on him, plus 185 uh, dog for him. Uh, like I said, Salal is a late-notice fighter. Ten pro wins, two knockouts, five submissions, never been finished in a fight. Um, three and one in the UFC. He won his first three, dropped his last fight. He is four years younger. He has ever important striking stats in his favor. Minus two twenty five. Uh, I'll be taking him. Yeah, I'm going to go with the favorite here too in Yusuf Zalal. And, and I am a little bit hesitant because of the short notice. I also think Troy has got a little bit more pop in his hands than people give him credit for. Uh, but you know, if you look back at his two losses in the UFC, Movsar Evloev, Gavin Tucker, both guys who took him down five times. Um, and while Yusef Zalal does have the striking advantage there too, we're talking about a guy he's fighting who's got 50% takedown defense. So he gives up one out of every two. And we're talking about a guy with a lot of pop in his hands. I think Zalal has probably got a good path to victory here with the takedowns. I don't think he's as good at takedowns as Gavin Tucker and Mozart Evloev. You know, it's just not as nuanced, but like, I also think it's good enough to get Sungwoo Choi down enough. Um, and with that being kind of a weak spot for Choi, I think ultimately that that's probably the path that the Zalal takes. And even on short notice, sort of a path he can execute. All right, there we go. Boring that we're agreeing, but Hey, hey um, maybe we'll hit some winners together this week. Um, move off to the ladies women's. Like, I, I don't know if the, if the card's going to end up being in this order, but this is the order we're doing it in. Um, as of this recording, um, this is, this is the order most places have it listed. So this would be women's flyweight, Molly McCann, meatball Molly versus Laura Procopio. How do you say her last name? Dan? I think it's Procopio. 
Procopio. Okay, there you go. Um, one that's of us a little accent over the O. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. She does have that. All right. Um, we'll go with her first. Um, she has been out since August of 2019. Uh, six pro wins, one knockout, three submissions. Um, she's only lost once in her career, and that was via decision. And that was her last fight, actually, her UFC debut. Um, she will be five years younger than Meatball Molly, five inches of reach. And a plus 135 favorite, uh, Meatball Molly McCann. Ten wins, four knockouts, three and two in the UFC. Lost her last fight. Uh, she will be the grappler in this one. She has the grappling uh, stats in her favor, and she's minus 165. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I kind of like uh, Meatball Molly in this one. While, while Procopio, I think, you know, if, if you look back at her last fight, um, you know, she was given the judges scorecards on one of them. She, she is also, she fancies herself a grappler. Um, she shot five takedowns on Carol Rosa whiffed on all five of them. Um, and ultimately, you know, we're going to talk about Carol Rosa later on in the, the, the fight card because she's actually, uh, fighting on this card as well. I, I see Carol Rosa as a particularly good jujitsu fighter, but maybe not necessarily all that skilled when it comes to, uh, takedowns and takedown defense necessarily. So for Procopio to go 0 and 5 and really never look like she was even close to getting Rosa down, I, I think she's probably going to continue to try that path against somebody like Molly McCann, who I think has a better gas tank, is going to win positional battles against the cage. And even if she doesn't wind up getting her down, I can see her winning enough of those types of exchanges here to take a pretty clear cut decision. So I like Meatball Molly in this fight. As do I. Um, speaking of Carol Rosa, let's break down her fight next on, on my fight card here. Um, that will be women's bantamweight. So I'll be a, a weight class up from, from this flyweight one we were just talking about. Um, so let's, she will be fighting late replacement uh, Joseline Edwards, who we just whiffed on a few weeks ago in, in her uh, USC debut. Debut. Um, surprisingly, she's got 10 pro wins, five knockout, three submissions. So she is a finisher. Uh, she won two straight fights. She'll be three inches taller, three inches of reach, and a year younger. Uh, plus 162 for her. Uh, Rosa, 13 pro wins, four knockouts, two submissions. She's 2 0 in the UFC. She's won four straight, five of six. Uh, she is the grappler, has grappling stats, and minus 189. I'm thinking about taking Edwards, and maybe this is um, recency bias, and I'm. Uh, I'm trying to win back lost money, which um, by not picking her the first time, but I'm leaning towards Edwards unless you have a reason why I shouldn't. Then I definitely will take her. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny you should say that. I was worried I was leaning the, with the recency bias as well, but I yep. think I'm going Edwards too. She impressed the hell out of me in that debut. I thought for sure Yanan Wu looked good uh, and was going to be able to, you know, touch her with the jab and win grappling exchanges. And, and the thing I just can't get over is just how Jocelyn Edwards, if she does get in a grappling exchange, her hips are just so powerful in the way that she turns them over and makes that position her own in just about every situation. When she's already been on the ground, when she's, you know, she got, she had great hips on that armbar attempt. You know, she also, there were a couple of takedown attempts from Wu where Edwards just turned the corner and wound up on top uh, as they were falling. So that's really interesting to me. And, and we just talked about Carol Rosa being somebody who uh, likes to grapple. I think she's good at jujitsu, but maybe it's not all that great of a wrestler. And, and with that being said, you know, I, I think Edwards is probably better on the feet. 
And then in addition to that, like I said, she she doesn't concede positions really often, or at least she didn't look like she did in, in that Wu fight. And there's not a lot of other grappling, you know, footage out there on her. So, yeah, I'm willing to take a stab here on Edwards, too, especially hovering around plus 170. I, I think if you, you're getting a price near, you know, two to one on on Jocelyn Edwards after she looked so good a month ago, um, not even a month ago. Man, she shot January 16th. That is crazy. Um, and, and so she's turning right around. You know, maybe the recovery time is bad. Maybe it's maybe she's still peaking. Uh, but I, I'm interested enough to see her again. And I, I like the dog money. Yeah, there you go. So it's two dogs for us already, which is which is nice. Um, not so nice, uh, not so entertaining, at least that we're agreeing with each other. But hey, that's the way it goes. We don't plan these things in advance, folks. Um, now, this fight is so last minute as of this recording, it doesn't even have a line picked uh, set for it yet. It would be um, Bantamweight, Martin Day, Timur Valiev. Uh, Day w- is taking this um, very late notice as um, what Hulu Arce, I believe, um, just just backed out um so i'll give you a breakdown and then maybe dan can predict what the odds will be and then whenever we have real odds we'll uh i'll, I'll include them in the article i will have written on sports gambling podcast uh, later on this week so we'll do martin day first like i said late notice uh eight pro wins three knockouts two submissions oh and three in the ufc and he lost his dana white contender series fight also so he's basically lost four times in the promotion um he will be the bigger man here that's something four inches height six inches of reach and he is uh, very limited stats um, comparison between the two because Valiev has only fought once in the UFC cage, but uh, he does have grappling in his favor, grappling stats. Uh, Valiev, um, far more experienced, 16 pro wins, five knockouts, two submissions. His first UFC fight was a no contest. Lucky for him because he originally got knocked out. Um, and then it got changed into contest when his, um, his uh, conqueror, uh, flunked a drug test so uh before that he's won six won six straight fights heading into the ufc uh he's was eight and one in world series of fighting slash professional fight league which is uh, one of the fairly big uh big promotions major promotions you could call it um in the u.s so that's very impressive uh he will be two years younger and like i said small sample size but he has the striking advantage so um i think i'll, I'll be going well more than likely I, I will be taking him i'm going to say yes i'm taking him um maybe dan can tell us what he thinks the lines will be and who he thinks he'll take in this i actually expect these lines to be very wide in favor of timor valiev uh, i yeah. wouldn't be surprised to see them hovering close to the mid threes to high fours in terms of negative negatives um so like negative 375 is probably a line you will see uh, on Timur Valiev, uh, not just because I think, you know, like a lot of people might chalk that first loss up to Trevin Jones is kind of a fluke. You know, he was he was winning that fight until he got tagged. You know, some some outlets have named it the the comeback of the year for Trevin Jones um, it, it, because Valiev looks so good and sort of gassed himself out playing a game that he doesn't typically play either. You know, he, he tried to stuff takedowns and, and work on the feet. You know, you mentioned he's got a, a striking advantage. I actually think he's a, a really talented grappler. If you look at a lot of his PFL fights, he chains takedowns together so well. Um, when he fails on the first one, he moves to the second one really quickly. And, and I think for that reason, it's a bad matchup for somebody like Martin Day, who, you know, Martin Day gave a bunch of takedowns to Davey Grant, who, Granted, I love Davy Grant. I think Davy Grant's a fun name, and and he was, you know, maybe even beating Davy Grant there. But like, Davy Grant is a talented grappler without great wrestling. Um, and and I think for that reason, like, if you're worried about him getting taken down repeatedly, 
I think Timur Veliev can do that easily in this fight. And I, I sort of expect him to, um, and I expect the odds to reflect that. There you go. Um, we agreed again, boring, but, hey. <laughs> but we're going to, we're going to go perfect this week, guys. So that's just the way, uh, the way we're going to roll. Um, before we continue, let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Betor edge. That's B E T T O R edge. Um, that would be a stock exchange for sports bets. It allows you to buy and sell betting positions like stock market. Best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. Since you're buying positions from other sports bettors, there's no house. You can play for money in 40 states. And they're also doing a weekly college basketball contest on Wednesdays and Saturdays. $10 to enter, and each user will start with a balance of 1,000 uh, edge coins to wager on the games. And then the player with the highest earnings will take the entire pool of entry fees. Uh, it could be a, some significant dough for you there. So it's a battle royal winner take all. Uh, find the link under the competitions tab on their site. So sign up today at betteredge.com and use the promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. So it's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com promo code SGP. Like I say every week, use SGP every site you're on and more than likely you're going to get something for free. Um, all right, moving along. What do we got next? Where's my screen? What? This fight card is all over all over the map, so it's hard to figure out what's next. Let's go with Rodriguez Marquez, shall we? Light heavyweights. Slow-mo, Mike Rodriguez, Danilo Marquez. Um, just basically going with a guy named Slow is basically what would be uh, the best bet in, in, in my book, regardless of, of how they match up. Um, you definitely want an athlete that's slow. Um, we'll go with Marquez first. Ten wins, four knockouts, four submissions. So a finisher and very well-rounded that way. Um, he's won three straight, including his UFC debut. He will be two inches taller, and he has striking and grappling stats in his favor. Um, but he is glad he's plus 205 in this one. Um, as for Rodriguez, speaking of finishers, he's finished all his fights, all his pro wins. Uh, 11 wins, nine knockouts, two submissions. He's 2-3. Two and three in the UFC with one no contest. Uh, he won his way in on Dana White's contender series. He lost his last fight, and he's only won one of his last three. So one and two. He will be five, have five inches of reach, which is pretty significant. Three years younger, minus 245. Um, your thoughts on this one? Uh, I'm going with Mike Rodriguez, and I'm saying that this one also is a lot farther apart than the odds suggest. I actually think the line here on Mike Rodriguez is not steep enough. Um, you yeah. mentioned the really good record for Daniel Marquez, right? And he's a finisher. Right. He's fought one time in the last three years. He's fought one time in the last three years. And it was against Kata Sabrigamov, who, if you, you remember correctly, Kata Sabrigamov is 0-4 in the UFC. Uh, so he's a, he's fought one time in the last three years, and he beat an absolute can of a guy in the UFC who I'm assuming is no longer with the UFC after the loss to Danilo Marquez. So uh, for that reason, like, first of all, Marquez being overrated in that. And, you know, you mentioned that, that Mike Rodriguez is coming off of a loss. Is he, though? Like, he knocked out Ed Herman. They mistakenly mm, called right. it a groin shot. And then he, he, he gassed himself out. He took a break. His, his muscles cooled off. And Ed Herman subbed him when they decided to restart the fight, despite the fact he clearly landed a knee to, to Ed Herman's solar plexus or to his stomach or wherever he hit it. It wasn't his balls. So, uh, you know, Mike Rodriguez is a guy who I actually think has put together two really great performances in a row. And as you mentioned, he's got a very significant reach advantage, right? The guy fights long and he, he's got an 82 and a half inch reach, which you do not see on very many fighters. So he's not only got really long reach, but he fights long. 
And when he does get into short range, he's got great knees. So he's fighting a guy who I expect to try to grapple him. He's got great knees and great reach. I mean, like, that seems like a recipe for disaster. So I, I like Mike Rodriguez for all of those reasons. And like I said, we're, when we get a little bit later in the show, we're starting to talk about parlays. He's definitely a line I like to hashtag throw him in a parlay. There you go. Hashtag it wasn't his balls also. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I believe that was a direct quote. Um, yeah, I, I'm going with him also. So uh, unfortunately, these guys aren't chunky guys, or we could say hashtag chunky guys too. There are actually no chunky guys on this card, which is which is uh, sad. But hey, throw them in a parlay. We can always go with that. Um, here's a couple of familiar names. Uh, at this point, they are I'm more than likely, I believe this will stay the same. They will be headlining the prelim portion of the card. Lightweights, Michael Johnson, Clay Guida. Yes, Clay Guida is still around in the UFC. Um, he has fought, he has 35 pro wins, uh, seven knockouts, thir- 13 submissions. Uh, he's 15 and 14 in the UFC. You heard that correctly. This will be his 30th UFC fight. Um, he's dropped his last two. He's only won one of his last four fights. He's plus 180. Uh, Michael Johnson is almost as experienced. He's got 19 pro wins, eight knockouts, two submissions. He's 11 and 12 in the UFC. He's dropped three straight, which has put his record below 500 in the UFC. Uh, he's got three inches of height, three inches of reach, five years younger, minus 220. Um, he's my pick for this one. I don't really like the line that high, but he's my pick. Well, you actually just said exactly what I'm going to do. This this show's going to be yeah. real boring if we can't do uh, that. Right. I 100% agree. I hate this line on Michael Johnson because – as you guys, uh, anybody who's followed any of my writing before, I'm a sucker for two fighters, Andre Arlovsky and Clay Guida. Uh, they <laughs> yeah. always are fighters who I'm a sucker for. Because I actually think Clay Guida, despite the fact that you said he's got that massive resume and he's got all these things, I think he's massively underrated. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about him being one in three in his last three. Losses to Charles Oliveira and Jim Miller. And the Jim Miller one was he got stung on the feet by Jim Miller, um, which is kind of crazy. You go before that, he, he TKO Joe Lozon, which is not easy to do at all. And, and if you want to go back to like some of his fights like four or five years ago, he, he was so close to beating a lot of really talented guys. And he just didn't edge them out. Like he was beating Brian Ortega right up until Brian Ortega knocked him out with a knee with almost no time left. Um, I mean, you could say the same thing about some of his other fights. He was really close to winning a lot of them. So, um, yeah, I think he's underrated. But at the same time, the problem here for me is that he's just not going to wrestle up uh, Michael Johnson. He's just not going to tire out Michael Johnson. And he's just not faster than Michael Johnson. And those are the things he needs in order to win. Right. Like he's got a better gas tank. He's got good wrestling and he's quick and we just saw his fight with Bobby green. Those things weren't good enough to beat Bobby green. And I kind of see Michael Johnson is using a similar game plan where he's quicker on the feet. He doesn't get tired and he's better uh, at defending takedowns than Guida is at getting them. So ultimately, yeah, I I love Clay Guida. I think he's being underrated here, uh, but I'm still taking Michael Johnson. Hate the line. Right. Um, Yeah. Guida by no means looks like a guy who's shot or, or needs to, uh, needs to retire. Like so many, uh, so many guys on the roster, uh, look that way at this point. Um, yeah, he, he definitely looks like he could, he could keep on going, uh, even if he's not winning fights, that's for sure. Yeah. All I, right. I, I think he's got, I think he's got lots of life left, which is, is crazy to see, but also, yeah. you, you know, we talked about guys being knocked out repeatedly. Guida's not one of those guys. 
Uh, I mean, like I mentioned the Brian Ortega knockout. I mean, that that's one of, you know, very few recent knockouts that he had. And even that's like five years ago now. Yeah, no, he's, he's always, always in the fight. Like you said too, which, which makes the line a little, like, like we both said, it makes the line a little scary, but we have to bet on every fight. Cause that's the way we are. Hashtag Digens for life. So we're both taking Michael Johnson, this one. All right. Main card our fight. Dan spoke about earlier, which helped me to make my decision. This is one of the ones I, I had blank. I didn't have my, my choice as of yet, but Maybe maybe you led me down the wrong path, but um, I have my choice now. So that will be lightweights. Carlos Diego Ferreira, CDF versus Benio Dariush. Um, CDF first. We'll make sure you listen to him, Top Turtle, coming up uh, this week in Dan's podcast. He's got 17 pro wins, three knockouts, seven submissions. He's uh, sparkling eight and two in the UFC. He's won six straight fights. Um, he has two inches of reach over Dariush. He's uh, a minus 125 slight um favorite in this one um Dariush, 19 wins five knockouts eight submissions 13 and four in the ufc uh won his last five so these guys are uh, very experienced and uh, both on hot streaks uh impressive thing about Dariush, he's won his last two fights via ko two fights before that he won via submission so very uh very impressive um he's inch taller four years younger grappling stats in his favor um minus 105 um, the comeback on him. And this is a rematch. Um, the two guys fought back in 2014. They've been around for quite a while. Dariush won that via decision. Uh, I expect him to win this one. Also, now that I heard that um, CDF says he wants to make it a, a, a standing battle. It's funny that you should mention that because that's actually <laughs> the reason why I love CDF in this fight. Oh, okay. I love the hating in this fight for, for the reason that I think it's a striking match because I think – Benil Dariush has been fooled into thinking he can strike with anybody. Um, yeah. And I don't mean to be mean about that, but like, look at the fact that he is coming off back-to-back knockouts. Look at who he's knocked out. He knocked out Jakar Klosa, who is a notedly good wrestler. And he knocked out Scott Holtzman, who is a notedly good wrestler. Um, he, he knocked out guys who we do not typically think of as wanting to stand in front of you and bang in don't get me wrong. I, I think Dariush has good striking. I think his striking is super underrated working with Rafael Cordero over at Kings MMA. Right. But I also don't think that those are great examples of how like nuanced his striking is, especially because like they were big blows that kind of like caught their opponent. Um, and if you go before that, you, you know, you're right. He did win back to back matches with his grappling. Those wins are actually far more impressive to me. Being able to submit Drew Dober looks a lot better to me than these recent knockouts. And then we're talking about the a guy who, he stood and traded with Anthony Pettis a little bit before he took him to the ground and submitted him. And then he stood and traded with guys like Maribek Tysimov or Rustem Habilov and like looked good doing so. Uh, and for me, even though he doesn't have the flashy KO, I'm actually a little bit more confident in where he stands as far as his striking goes than Dariush. And to be honest with you, as far as like the takedown game goes, should it come to this? I think Fajeda probably defends the takedown here better than Dariush does. So uh, if he chooses to go to that route, sure, like it's there. And I think it's probably there for both guys to to either, you know, try one or stuff one if it's going bad on the feet. But I actually like the technical striking of CDF far better than I like the fact that uh, Benil Dariush has landed a couple of big shots recently. And uh, not to be not to be um, 
overlooked here is Darius. Three of his four losses have come via knockout. He uh, he has been knocked out before Alexander Hernandez in uh, 2018, Edson Barboza in 2017, and Ramsey Nijim knocked him out in <laughs> 2014. Um, and uh, Ferreira will have the, the reach advantage here. So that's definitely not a bad pick. Like I said, this one I didn't really uh, – was wasn't really – Hedging on either guy, but uh, I, I think I'll, I'll still throw my lot in with with Darius and make things interesting here. Um, which brings us to one of the guys who I get confused with with another guy on this card: Cody Stamen and Corey Sanhagen. Those two guys in bantamweights, I'm always getting them mixed up. But this uh, first fight would be Cody Stamen uh, bantamweight against Andre Ewell. Uh, Ewell will be taking this on short notice, so the alarm bell should be going off in your head right now. Um, 17 wins. Seven knockouts, four submission. He's four and two in the UFC. He's one, two straight, three of four, uh, two inches of height, 11 inches of reach. I have him. He's listed that. It, that I think that's correct. <laughs> it's <laughs> official stats. Well, that's, that, that's the biggest, that's the biggest uh, reach advantage I've, if I've seen since I've broken these down. He's almost, his arms almost a foot longer than uh, Stamen's. Um, Plus 245 in this one. Uh, Stamen, 19 pro wins, six knockouts, two submissions, 5-2-1 in the UFC. Dropped his last fight. He's a year younger. He's got striking and grappling stats in his favor. Minus 305. Um, I've taken enough short notice, guys. I've, I'm dancing too close to the sun with that on this card, so I'm going to take uh, Stamen in this one, even if the line is, is pretty high there at 305. Yeah, I, I even like him at that number, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, the, the path to victory here is pretty clear for me. Like, uh, Andre Ewell is a really long guy, you're right, and you got to yep. worry a little bit because Cody Stamen is built like a Ninja Turtle uh, with his arms being that short, but the, the fact of the matter is, is like, he's going to get in on those takedowns and he's going to finish them. Cody Stamen is a guy who finished uh, a bunch of takedowns on Song Yudong. He, he finished takedowns on, on Brian Kelleher, you know, he even took Jimmy Rivera down in their last fight. Um, who's got a big fight coming up as well. So, you know, I actually think Cody Stamen is a guy who, who can make a lot of noise in this division and take people down. He even took Aljamain Sterling down three times before he got that weird knee bar loss. Um, yeah. And like, you know, when you're talking about Andre Ewell, this is a guy who as recently as like two years ago was giving up takedowns to, to burn out Henning Barrow as part of his 38 fight losing streak. So, uh, you know, I, I like Andre Ewell. I think he's exciting if he's engaged in the right kind of fight. But ultimately, I don't think he's going to get that kind of fight with Cody Stamen. I think he's a nightmare style matchup. There you go. Um, we agree once again. Uh, flyweights. Finally, we have some fun. The fun division here, fun size division. Alejandra Pantoja versus a guy who's been rumored to be debuting in the UFC for years. It seems now his fight keeps getting pushed back. Uh, he's finally fighting this Saturday, hopefully. Manel Cape. Uh, did I say his name right, Dan? I think it's Cape, it's but Ka I do not know. I've Cape, interviewed. I've interviewed him before, and I do not know the correct <laughs> answer. There you go. Perfect. Um, we'll, we'll go with Cape, and uh, we'll break him down first. Uh, he is the Ryzen, or he was the Ryzen bantamweight champion over in Japan. So he has some uh, some top level experience over there. He's, he's fought some some names that people will be familiar with, and he has fought, like I said, that was bantamweight. Uh, this fight will be at flyweight, which I think is more natural weight class for him um he's 15 and four 
as a pro, he has nine knockouts, five submissions. So that's pretty insane that he's that much of a finisher uh, for a flyweight. He's won three straight fights. Uh, as said before, this will be his long-awaited debut. He's got an interreach, and he's three years younger than Pantoja, uh, plus 105. Um, Pantoja, 22 wins, eight knockouts, eight submissions, six and three in the UFC. Lost his last fight. He's only won once in his last three. Uh, three of his last five, and he basically only fights the best of the best at this point in his career. He's minus 135. Um, I'm leaning towards the dog. I'm waiting to get some more input from Dan before I make my final decision here. It's funny that you're leaning towards the dog because that's precisely what I'm doing in this fight too. Yeah, I'm leaning with Nal Cobb because uh, I, I think when you look at him too in this fight, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, got a lot of knockouts on his record. The dude throws absolute hammers and I think the thing that makes people want to lean towards Pantoja in this fight is that, first of all, Kata is not a, a household name, right? Like, this is one right. of those fights where I was talking about where even if it's not Conor McGregor on the A-side, it is a guy we've heard's name repeatedly on the A-side and a guy from Japan who maybe we've not heard of at all on the other side. So I, I think he's being underrated for that reason. But also, we talked before about intent. What does the fighter intend to do here and like I said, I think Pantoja, if he went out and shot 30 takedowns, he would probably do enough to keep Cape off his off his you know case and and ultimately yeah. land enough takedowns to win. But he's also a guy who doesn't shoot many. You know, like he he fought Oscar Oscarov, shot two. He he fought Matt Schnell, and granted that was a one round fight, but only fought shot one takedown. You know, like he's not a guy who throws tons of takedowns into the game. You know, he never threw one against Wilson Hayes. You know, he's a guy who, I mean, went 0 for 1 against Oka Sasaki. So he's not a guy who goes in with the thought of being like, I'm going to throw 30 takedowns into the mix. Instead, he's a guy who is willing to trade for a little bit until a takedown opens up, and maybe he gets one of those. But I'm a little bit worried about him trading with Manal Kape for that long. Right. And then looking at Kape's, um, who he's fought, he beat Ian McCall. He lost to Keoji Horiguchi, but he did fight him, which is impressive. He won one, lost one to Kai Asakura. Um, he lost to Alka Sazake. He beat Takeya Mizugaki. So he's fought basically big names in, in the lighter weight classes for the past, what, three, four years. Um, so he's definitely experienced. Um, and his nickname, nickname Starboy, which you know is good, good enough for me. Um, I, I think I'll be, I'll be going for him too. So we're both. There's another dog for you. That's what we've hit, picked. What three, three, four dogs so far? I think I've got um, three. You've got four because I, I do believe okay. you took took right. Dariush, who's a who's a minor right, yes. dog. But yeah, I got three. You got yeah. Four. All right, there we go. Um, let's go with another female fight, shall we? Um, which may be my favorite outside of flyweights, maybe uh, the female fight still. Uh, women's bantamweight, this would be uh, Marion Renault, who it was born in 1977. Take that, that's crazy, right? Um, still lo looking and fighting great, though. Uh, fighting Macy Chasson. Uh, let's go with the veteran first. Renault, uh, nine pro wins, five knockouts, three submissions. Uh, never been finished in a fight. Uh, five, five, and one in the UFC. Dropped three straight after starting off quite strong there. She's plus one seventy. Um, she's kind of being fed to fed to the wolves here. Uh, Chase on is fourteen years younger, uh, five inches taller, four inches of reach. Um, 
six pro wins, six and one as a pro actually. Um, two knockouts, two submissions. She's never been stopped in the fight either. She's won four of her five UFC uh, UFC fights. Um, won her last fight after dropping her her uh, her only pro fight before that. Uh, like I said, she's younger, bigger. Uh, striking stats in her advantage. She's been out of action for almost a year. That's the one negative in on her resume at this point. She hasn't fought since last February. She's minus 210. Um, I will be taking her in this one for sure. I'm going to be taking her, but I don't love her on this line. It feels a no. lot like the UFC is trying to test whether or not um, that loss to Linda Landsberg, where she gave up a couple of takedowns and looked largely dominated on the ground. This almost feels like they want to know if that's, actually who Macy Chason is or if she's actually far better than than we believe you know like she's far better than that performance and that was a fluke um because this is a fighter who does like to take people to the ground and does like her grappling game um she, she hasn't been wildly successful in it but she did get Raquel Pennington down a couple of times and she did take down Yana Kunitskaya so like she is even though those were losses and she didn't do much with those takedowns she is somebody who likes that side of her game. So it, I, I think definitely it's the UFC trying to see if that's a problem with Chason. I think luckily for Chason here and why I'm ultimately picking her is the reach advantage is nice. The height advantage is really nice. Um, you know, the, the time off I, I'm imagining went well for her. She saw that she you know could use her wrestling as a positive rather than a negative in her last fight with Shana Young. So I, I like her for all of those reasons. But again, uh, the price tag on this one is definitely keeping me away. Yeah, definitely. Um, I always go with the bigger, younger fighter if if it's not uh, if the talent isn't too uh, too striking in the other favor. So, um, and that's where I'll be going here. Also, uh, not that I I'm winning a ton of money on this, but that's uh, that would be the way I'm leading uh, more often than not, and I'm definitely going to here. Um, yeah, this card actually better than I better than I originally had thought. It's it's actually a pretty decent card. Um, I was thinking of just a two fight card, but it's you know it's pretty decent up and down. Um, now the two fights um, that we'll break down here are actually the the big name ones if you want to call them big name fights. Uh, a co-main event is a bantamweight battle: Corey Sanhagen, Frankie Edgar. Um, Edgar, 24 pro wins, seven knockouts, four submissions, 18, eight and one in the UFC. Um, won his last fight. Uh, he's won w only one of his last three, so that was his last one. Um, two of his last five. Um, as for um, he has better striking defense than San Hagen, but San Hagen is more active striking. Um, so those stats kind of kind of um, um, cancel each other out here in this case. Uh, San Hagen, 13 pro wins, five knockouts, three submissions, six and one in the UFC. Uh, only lost to Aljamain Sterling um, via submission. That was his only only loss in the UFC, and now Sterling will be going up for the title belt in uh, March. Um, San Hagen won his last fight. He knocked out Marlon Moraes. He's five inches taller, two inches of reach, 11 years younger. And like I said, he's more active striker. He's minus 420, which I don't like, but I'll be taking him to win the fight. So I'm going to say this. I, I think Corey Sanhagen on a coin flip pick here wins this fight. Like I, I, I would pick him if this these were even money odds. But if, if I'm not here giving gambling advice and we're, we're technically saying all of these picks, if I've got $100 that I have to throw down on this fight, there ain't no way I'm betting that $100 on Corey Sanhagen to win, what would it be, 25 bucks? 
Like, you know, that is an insane pick if you're thinking of it from that perspective, because what is the one thing that Corey Sanhagen has looked not so good in during this immaculate run? It's his takedown defense. And not that that Frankie Edgar has gone back to his wrestling roots that he used to beat Gray Maynard and he used to like run to the lightweight title. But he did take down uh, Pedro Munoz twice last fight. And Corey Sanhagen, you're right, coming off of a great wheel kick KO of Marlon Marias after Marlon Marias out grappled him for a while. Right. So, like, if Frankie Edgar was smart and I hope Sarah Longo has got him geared up for what he should be doing. I actually think this is a fight where Frankie Edgar, if he leans on his wrestling, wins fairly easily. So the only real question here, and we talked about it at the top of the show, is intent. If Frankie Edgar has the intent of going in there and being spark plug, hands firing Frankie Edgar, I think he gets beat by Corey Sanhagen here. But if I'm betting $100 that maybe he has the ability to drag him to the ground and goes with that game plan, I think Frankie wins that fight. And, and at you know odds, like you said, hovering around 4-1, to one, I think with a hundred bucks, I'm going to throw mine on Frankie Edgar. All right. There you go. Um, yeah. San Hagen's takedown defense, 30%. So there that speaks to what Dan was just saying. Mario Batista uh, took him down. And I, I, I'm not, I don't mean to disparage people's names, but Mario Batista took him down. <laughs> yep. There you go. Um, so it's whether or not Edgar, uh, decides to play that game and if he can get him down and if he doesn't get sparked on the feet before he, before he gets him down. So, um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it could be very, very smart money. We'll, we'll find out come Saturday. It could be a smart better. It could be something I make fun of him with uh, next week. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's the case. Um, which brings us to our main event, heavyweights, big boys, but they're not chunky guys, unfortunately. Darn. Um, <laughs> pardon me. I said darn. I was looking for some hashtag chunky. Overeem's chunky, but it's not not fat, that's for sure. Do we have Um, some hashtag chunky guys next week? I think we have some hashtag chunky guys next week. Stay tuned for next week. We'll be starved for them here. Um, Let's go with Overeem, who's actually the underdog in this one, um, despite being the A side of of the the fight card. It's Overeem versus Volkov. Uh, 47 pro wins, so we got a lot of experienced dudes on this card. Uh, 47 pro wins, 25 knockouts, 17 submissions. He's a finisher. 12 and 7 in the UFC. He's won two straight, four or five, uh, all via uh, TKO, all his past uh, two wins. Um, he's got striking and grappling stats in his favor. He will probably be the smaller man, which he's actually slimmed down a bit um, in his later years. Last fight, he weighed in at 253. Uh, Volkov um, usually comes in right at the 265 limit. Um, and like I said, over him is the dog plus 150. Um, Alexander Volkov is Russian counterpart, a 32 pro wins, 21 knockouts, three submissions, um, six and two in the UFC. Uh, he's traded back wins and losses over his last four fights. Win, loss, win, loss. Um, he won his last fight. So that means he's going to lose this one, right? Um, three inches taller than over aim, uh, eight years younger, minus 180. Uh, I'm going with Reem. I think he's, been fighting smart enough and still is dangerous enough on the feet that, that he's, uh, he's going to win this fight. Yeah. And I, I think we broke this down when we talked about odds earlier on in the year and yep. I predicted that Overeem would be like a negative 200 favorite. And I stand by that. I don't know why he's yeah. not like, look at what he's done lately. He, he, he grounded, pounded out Sergei Pavlovich, which again, like you said, 
doing a far better job in terms of game plan. Same with beating Alexi Olenek. Got him in the clinch. Need him in the stomach. Ground and pound finish again. He did a similar thing to Walt Harris after surviving an onslaught. He did a similar thing to Augusto Sakai, although he got that finish really late. All using his wrestling that he's used in the past before. All reverting to that game plan. The only loss in there is Yair Rosenstrike who he won all but four seconds against, right? Like right. he won that. He, I had him on my scorecard 50-45 if he survives another four seconds. Maybe he loses the fifth due to the onslaught if that ref doesn't call that fight in the last four seconds. He gets his arm raised. I guarantee it. So, uh, you know, we're, we're almost talking about a guy who's on a five-point win streak, might be talked for a title shot here. Fighting Volkov, who I don't think has looked good. You know, like he lost to Derek Lewis uh, doing a similar stupid thing like like Overeem does. So maybe we can overlook that. He beat Greg Hardy, but he never put Greg Hardy in trouble. And like looking back at Greg Hardy's loss to Marcin Tybura, like, dude, just wear the guy out and then finish him because he's not, you know, he's got no gas tank. You know, Curtis Blades out grappled him in one kind of safe. And yeah, he like knocked out Walt Harris, which is a good knockout win. But like, didn't necessarily look all that dominant in that fight either. So we've got Overeem, who I think has looked amazing as of late. We got Volkov, who's not even getting the same results, not getting the same finishes, not getting the same, you know, anything. And somehow Overeem is coming in here as a dog. I, I think it's wild. It's also hard for me to imagine, you know, like, do you think Volkov finishes Overeem? No. no. Right? Like, no, no. nobody is thinking that. Do you think Volkov stays on the feet with Overeem for five rounds and doesn't get starched? No. Ooh, no, I don't. So then what are your other options? That he takes Overeem down? That, that that he subs Overeem? Like, we're running out of ways that this dude can win. And, and I mean, man, I think this is, you know, and you said it too. He's the name value. He's the A side to this fight. Somehow he's still a dog. And I will say, like I said before, if you go to best fight odds, they will give you the trend of this fight. And I don't want to tell you what to do, but Overeem is actually trending up. He he was starting betting at plus 140, and a lot of sites you can get him 155 now. Almost on every single site, his odds are getting steeper and steeper and steeper. So you might want to sit three or four days on it until you've heard this recording and, and you're getting a little closer to the fight. But then I would highly suggest getting some money in on Overeem here. Why do you think – do you have any idea why the lines are the way they are? I have no clue because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, like, really trying to rack my brain. Like, I, I know you said – you know, people had kind of written off over him as this guy being being punchy, right, and, and getting yeah. knocked out. But, like, uh, do you really want to call a guy punchy and easy to knock out when, you know, his knockouts are to Yair Rosenstreich and, and Francis Naganu and Stipe Miocic? Like, those are the guys who knocked him out, right? I mean, yeah, like, I think I think that's – sorry to interrupt, but I think that's old news anyway. Uh, like, he hasn't – been knockout prone recently if you ask me yeah it, it, it might i think it probably goes back to like those days where he was getting knocked out by like bigfoot and travis brown right and like right. he's not that guy anymore like you, you know you mentioned he he changed his game plan he has gone back to some of the things he didn't pride to be completely honest with you like he used his wrestling a little bit all the way back in in his japan days so like i think he probably uses enough of that here too to win and and i think you know, I actually think him by finish here is if you're looking to make those odds even steeper, like I, I think it's a slam dunk. 
So yeah, that's 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 moving to our props and parlays. And you, would this be one of your props over within the distance? Yeah, and uh, so it depends on too whether or not you're you're confident that he wins by by KO. Like if you think yeah. he's gonna knock him out, uh, I definitely think that's good. You know, in so far in his ground uh, game exploits, let's call them. He doesn't seem to be looking for those subs like he, he I mean, he's got a great guillotine. He's got really good skills on the ground, but he doesn't seem to be looking for him. It's worth noting, too, that him by submission uh, is betting off somewhere in like negative 1000 range. Am I seeing that correctly? Um, so like they're, they're pretty steep. If you feel like he's going to win 1170, I'm seeing on one site. So, yeah, like if you think he's going to sub him, that's that's possible. But like I'd probably stay away from that. But him by knockout is plus 260. You can almost double your odds on what you're getting on him. And like I said, those odds are getting steeper and steeper. So if you wait towards fight time, you might be getting over him by knockout at three to one. And I really think that that's the most likely option here. So, yeah, that would definitely be one of my props. Um, as far as other props on this card go, I mean, I don't think I saw any that I felt particularly great about. Um, you know, Mike Rodriguez by knockout, if you really want to try to sweeten that deal a little bit. Um, but but apart from that, you know, I think both uh, of the or all three of the women's fights that are, are listed on this card, you could play them all to go the distance. But I think the odds are probably not real great on any of them. But no. there, there's not a lot of finishing going on with, with most of the names you see there. So, um, yeah, I, I would say those by not going the distance uh, and then Overeem and, and Mikey Rodriguez both to finish. There you go. And we gave you a lot of juicy underdogs as it is. So so that'll um that I get you some money there. So what we differed on what three fights, I think one, two, so that's all right. Good off three more wins over Dan, two or three more wins over Dan come next week. So that'd be nice. And I would say uh, too, that what we had well, was the three differences. It was Darius Fajeda, Sandhagen, Edgar. Is it just, that two? might be it actually. It's yeah. Two. Maybe just, two. Um, and, and really too, I, I, I'm with you on, on Sandhagen. If we were picking with, with straight odds too, because right, I, think, yeah, yeah. I, I think right here with, with them being as steep as they are, I have to pick Edgar for, for the purpose of the game we're playing here. But, but yeah, uh, I, I think probably Sandhagen's even too. So if we're all so similar here, we have to be right. Right. Exactly. We have to be right. We have to be right. And Dan's actually doing what picking Agri's doing what we were saying at the top of the show. It's you got to hit on some of these underdogs. So you can afford to, to lose some of the, you know, if you don't hit on all the dogs and, and some of your surefire picks fall through it, if you hit on a anchor every once in a while, plus three twenty, then you know you you can cover your losses that way very well. So Dan's just playing the game. That's all. He's going to lose the game this week, but he's playing it playing regardless. So all we can ask is uh, is is he plays the game. We'll give him some nice parting gifts. Um, actually, a nice gift for him would be to follow him on Twitter, um, where you can find links to all his writings and his various podcasts that, that he hosts. So that would be Gumby Vreeland on Twitter. I would be Jeff Fox writer on Twitter. Uh, make sure you check out MMA dash manifesto this week. Cause Dan will have articles uh, previewing this uh, fight card. I'll, I'll have uh, all the usual articles and rankings and whatnot. And I will have a, a full write up of this 
uh, betting preview of this card and sports gambling podcast probably Thursday or Friday. So make sure you check all that out. Um, I think that pretty much does it for this week. So thank you for hanging in there and listening with this. Hopefully we're going to win you some money this week. Um, and then next week we will come back and we'll tell you why we didn't and, and why, why we got robbed by judges and, and whatnot. So uh, until then, uh, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.